I'm Lenora, your host for Three Peas in a Pod. This is about purpose, pathways, and perspectives. And today the focus is on pathways. And I have a fantastic person that I'm interviewing today that has a career story that's amazing. He went from an entry-level position to executive level at a Fortune 500 company, founded a program that gives opportunity to young people. So you're also going to hear about a challenge to other great companies that can be giving opportunity to young people if they're not already doing it. So enjoy this interview on Three Peas in a Pod. Welcome to the podcast. I'm very excited for a guest I have today. He is the president of Global Products at Expeditors. And Dan Wall came into the company in the 80s as an entry-level young person and is now a president at a Fortune 500 company. I have the fortune of having worked with Dan since 2008. And because I've watched his success principles and the way he's done things, I wanted to be able to interview him here about some of his principles that have led him to success, as well as have an opportunity to share with other business leaders how to provide opportunity for young people. So welcome, Dan, to the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Thank you. And I also want to brag about you a little bit. I came into Expeditors in 2008 as a trainer at our global headquarters, and yet I was also given a project to work with you on something called Opportunity Knocks. And we'll talk about what that actually is. But I just want to say that when I was told, hey, one thing you're going to do is work with Dan Wall and Opportunity Knox, my response was, great, who's Dan Wall? What's Opportunity Knox? And it turned out to be something that was a great fit for me, uh, a very special program. And because of the kind of leader you are, you gave me a lot of opportunity. Uh, We were able to do some very cool things together, but I am wanting to share the kind of principles that you have done for success because I've seen you do it. I've seen you lend it to others. I've seen how you care about people and I've wanted uh, the opportunity to share a bit of your story. So thank you, Dan, so much for being on this podcast. Yeah, no problem. Thank you for all the incredible work you do for Opportunity Knox. It's been a pleasure. It's been quite a gift. I almost felt like I stumbled into, but it was a great fit. So let's start this by you sharing a bit of your story. Sure. I grew up in, uh, you know, with a family that was yeah, fairly blue collar. My mom was a waitress. My dad was a uh, truck driver. So college wasn't really talked about in our house. Um, just it, that wasn't uh, what you did. You graduate high school and then you find a job and you build your life from there. So knowing that was the plan, I was going to try to follow my dad's footsteps and become a truck driver. But I had to get a job to keep me busy till I was 23 is for insurance purposes, they wouldn't hire you in the trucking business until you until you were 23. So what was I going to do? I, I figured I'd try construction. Um, so I got a couple jobs working in construction. Turned out I was not really good at construction. Got fired a couple times. Um, <laughs> That's always fun. Yeah, and my Aunt Gina turned me on to a company called Expedire, a small logistics company at the time in Seattle, but they had a messenger position open. And so I went in and interviewed probably not a real professional interview, probably didn't answer the questions right. Um, I think when they asked me how I saw myself developing a career in this business, I said, well, I just I actually just want to work here for five years and then I'm going to be a truck driver. And I don't think they really understood that answer or didn't like it. So I didn't get the job the first time. But another opening came back and I went in and I said, I, you know, I am a bit desperate and I will not let you down no matter what. You give me this opportunity, I will not let you down. Now, those were pretty big words. So if I didn't get the job, no big deal. But if I got the job, I couldn't let the person down that hired me. 
So I got the job. And so I thought, boy, I better hustle every day. I better try to, to outwork, outperform everybody I could. And so I went in thinking if I was a really good teammate, then my coworkers would like me and they wouldn't want to see me go. And, mm. I, and if I took really good care of my customers, they wouldn't want to see me go. And then took care of my boss. I just did what I was supposed to do and, and tried to do it the best I could. I, I would likely have this job for five years. And uh, <laughs> that was really the goal in the beginning. And then what I figured out is I really liked the culture of the company. I got moved into the office from being a messenger after six months. And it's professional attire. So suit and tie for the, for the men. I had never wore a tie in my life. Uh, in fact, didn't even know how to tie a tie. Me neither. I got, yeah, <laughs> I got promoted on a Friday and had to start the new job on Monday. So I really had the weekend to go figure out how I was going to buy professional dress clothes. Mm-hmm. And I ran into who was our CIO or MIS person at the time, the leader of our MIS group. And I explained to him my problem. And he was, you know, he'd been there for a while. He knew expediters. He handed me some money. He basically said, go buy, you know, five pairs of slacks, five dress shirts and five ties. Uh, wow. And some dress shoes and a, and, a, and a belt. And you pay me back when you have time. I'm like, wow. You know, I, I don't know how else I would have got through and got there on Monday unless I went and borrowed clothes from somebody. So I uh, went and shopping that weekend. Realized Monday morning I still didn't know how to tie a tie. So I went into his office, brought my tie with me, and he kind of showed me how to do it. It took me a while. So he said, bring in your other four ties and I'll pre-tie them. You just have to slip them over your head and you'll be fine. That is so <laughs> nice. I mean, not everybody thinks like that. No, and that that just told me I was at a special company. And uh, it also told me, how am I going to pay that forward? That made a huge impression on me. It actually made me very loyal to the company. And again, I I promised I don't want to let him down. Now I really don't want to let him down. And he wasn't even my boss. He was just another leader within the company. And you know, that shows you too how we learn from what other people show us, what we've been modeled. And you hadn't seen that before, even the tie piece, but their individual behavior made you very loyal to the company. Yeah, and he, he didn't have to take an interest in, in me. And, and that's what I realized, too. You go to work every day, take an interest in somebody, and it, it mm-hmm. really helps them. And it really shapes them about how they feel about the company. And everybody's looking for everybody to succeed. Yeah, when I first came to Expediters, and this is not an Expediters podcast. This is my personal podcast. But I know when I came in, people talked about, you know, really just treating each other like family. And I thought, you're right. And I didn't know if it was really true. And I found out, wow, it really is true. Yeah. I think that's a big part of it. Yeah. And then you've had quite the career. You went on this promote from within culture. So you were able to have several roles. Yeah. I started off as a messenger, moved into the import department, kind of worked my way up through there. Got a chance to be a district manager in Denver, Colorado. So moved to Denver. Did that for- manager runs a branch office. Yes. Yep. I ran the, the, the branch. Did that for about five years. And then I went to Detroit to start up our transition implementation for a huge account that we landed called- Ford. You might have heard of them, a little automotive company. So went to Detroit, did that for uh, a year. And then after I finished that, I became a district manager in Seattle. So I came back home, which was nice. Wow. Now, didn't you also become, you're not saying this little piece here, quality branch of the year in both Denver and Seattle? Uh, Yes. Yep. That's no small thing. Branch of the year in Seattle also. So not just quality was kind of a subset, but also became branch of the year in Seattle at one point. Yeah, That's a think, huge accomplishment. Yeah, I think that's just the, the really taking care of the customers and the employees and our service providers, really what the company taught me to do. Yeah. Uh, and then I moved to corporate, took a couple different roles in corporate, 
And then in 2015, finally in the current position, became president of Global Products. So I've been with the company now 33 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, started when I was 18. But uh, back in 2006, I was asked to be the sort of the first guinea pig to go through the Seattle University ELP program, the Executive Leadership Program. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went through that and that was a big game changer for me. You know, I, I won branch of the year and quality branch of the year, but I'm not sure I was a well-liked district manager at the time. Really? I met you after. I met you right at the end of your uh, CLU program. I would say I was a really good manager. I knew how to make people do stuff. Hmm. But the difference was I didn't inspire them to want to do great stuff. And I think that's the, the transition from manager to leadership. That's right? good. If I, could go, if I could go back in time, I would so much prefer to be a leader than a manager. But when you're young, I think you think you have to get things done and you sort of put it on the backs of everybody that we have to do this. And maybe you don't tell them the big picture, but boy, they worked their, their tails off and they, they completed it. I don't think anybody was real happy with me until we got the award. And then they, and there was probably some satisfaction there, but to do it all over again, I would, I would have much preferred to be a leader earlier on in my career versus a manager. Well, and I know, again, if I want to brag about you, which is easy for me to do, is I've always thought you've also had a lot of humility. You've been willing to say, you know what, here's what matters. Can you talk a little bit about that shift? How, do you, how did you make that inside? What, what, what well, changed? I, yeah, I mean, I give you an exa- example. When I went to the CLU program, that we did a three-day off-site sort of obstacle challenge and uh, didn't know what I was getting into, but uh, basically they... They put us in uh, teams and they gave us an obstacle that we had to accomplish within 35, 40 minutes. And what they laid out in the, in the beginning seemed impossible. And what went through my mind immediately is there's no way we're going to be able to get 16 people to do that. No way. Mm-hmm. But I watched around me and there were other people throwing out ideas. And then there were other people building off of those ideas. And then uh, the more people talked and shared within 15 minutes, we had the solution and figured it out. Wow. And, and I thought, wow, that, that's really strange. So then we went to the next one, I, same thing. There's no way we can do this. There's no way. And about the fourth obstacle, I'm like, okay, they, they wouldn't set it up if there was, wasn't a way for us to accomplish this. So it's, why don't I participate with some ideas, some thoughts? And then <laughs> what dawned on me is that's kind of how I was managing my branch. Like, I have to do these things. I have to make sure we do all these things. There was no we in it. There was no getting everybody together and letting them brainstorm and come up with the ideas on the solution. And boy, it takes a load off your shoulders when you let a bunch of smart people sort of figure out how to solve the problem. And guess what? They're really excited about solving the problem and doing all the work behind it when they had a part to play in it, as opposed to being instructed on how to do it and possibly failing a couple times and being miserable. This this was a, a different shift in my mind. Like, don't go back to work and decide how you're going to do and fix everything. Go back to work and get everybody else involved in how we're going to do and fix everything. And guess what? They'll probably do it 10 times better than what you would have thought of. Well, and that, again, you have to assume that somebody else besides you is smart. Yeah. <laughs> well, I know they're all smart. Uh, I just didn't know how to, how to bring that out. I didn't know how to best use that, right? Yeah. To me, it was like I, I'm better off giving them instructions and letting them figure out how to, uh, you know, execute against all those instructions I gave them as opposed to letting them figure out the plan that would be involved and then to help execute. And then there would be more buy-in. I think it actually gets done quicker. It gets done better. There's more pride. And then when you win branch of the year in that sort of atmosphere, it's everybody who won. It wasn't, you know, 
you know, it wasn't Dan who made us do all these things. And, you know, some people quit because they got frustrated with them. And so anyhow, that, that was kind of going through that Seattle U thing really changed me. So when I went back to work, it was all about how do I empower the people to know what the big picture looks like, know what the big challenges are, and then let them go fix it. And then come back and tell me, hey, if we fail, we fail, right? We fail quick. We move on, we fix it, and, and great things are going to happen. And I think people work so much better in that environment. I realized they appreciated me a little bit more when I, when I was a leader versus a manager. Well, I've met you. It's all been these uh, latter part of these years because I know you have a lot of fans. And well, and I hear you, especially during this year, everything going on and the genuine outreach, just checking in on people. How are you doing? Uh, which is a big deal. So yeah, the genuine interest in people as well as you were able to find out how to pull out their creativity, have them get the buy-in and feel very good about the success they created, like you said, versus just following a checklist of what they were kind of laid up to do. Yeah. I mean, as a company, Expeditors Managers is a ton of details, but we know that everybody's favorite piece of this company has been their team members. There are other people that we work with. Yep. I also know something that was praised from other executives from you, especially early in your career, was how customers felt like you worked for them. They're like, well, we feel like Dan actually works for us because you were so proactive and interested in their success and what they needed for their teams to be successful. So any comments on that before I jump over to the program you founded? Yeah, I mean, that, that was just sort of my job security strategy. Um, I take such good care of those customers, they either want to hire me or <laughs> if I do get fired, there's a lot of other directions I can go. And, and what I realized too, that the better I took care of the customers and my bosses went out and met with those customers, I, I was getting raises when they came back. And I oh. think the thought was, wow, they didn't want to lose me to the competition. Mm -hmm. uh, which didn't dawn on me at all. I mean, even if the competition would have called and wanted to give me more money, I wasn't going anywhere because I already made somebody a promise. I wasn't going to let them down. And, and the company was, was too good to me and I liked the culture was too good. And so that was never going to be an issue, but boy, it made it nice that if I took really good care of the customers. I kept seeing uh, pay raises. Yeah. Uh, and so I think I was increasing my value by just being really good at customer service. And that, that's what led to a lot of the opportunities I got within the company. Yeah. Well, I definitely heard some of the stories and I've talked to some of your former bosses and different things. And, and then I've been able to work with you myself. So now let's talk a little bit about a program you founded based on how someone gave you a shot at the beginning of your career, gave you an opportunity. Now you had to go back and say, hey, I will really go for this. It wasn't like somebody just didn't care about what your approach was. You said, hey, I'm going to work very hard. I'm going to go after it. And you had someone that told you, hey, apply for this job. But then you, once you got it, you had to make the most of it. Because I'm a huge fan of, of providing opportunity, but it is such a two-way street. Mm -hmm. uh, they've got to have a way to get in. And then yet, once they're in, they've got to make the most of it. Yeah. So how did you end up deciding to found that? Because it's been incredibly relevant and even more so these days. Sure. So, you know, after the Seattle Leadership Program, they started what they call the Executive Leadership MBA Program. And essentially, if you completed their leadership program, then you got one-third credit towards the MBA program. So I was one-third away from getting a college degree, which I never thought possible in my life. Mm. And the company was willing to pay for that and put me through that MBA program. So it kind of come full circle of, wow, I got that opportunity. I worked hard. You know, I tried to do my best to, to make the best out of the opportunity. Now they're actually putting me through school and paying for it. I'm actually going to get a degree. My parents are going to freak out when I uh, <laughs> have a college degree because we never thought it was possible. And so, you know, I'm, 
I think I'm 40 years old at this time going through going to college. Mm -hmm. And it was a fantastic program. I got a lot out of it. Um, but you know, you have to create a capstone project at the end of your graduation. So you spend a few months creating this capstone. And this is something that has to live on longer than you do. And it has to have an impact to your company, to society. So it's, it's got to be something that's sustainable and really helpful and impactful to the community. And I thought, well, what better than to formalize what happened to me? Mm-hmm. Uh, and really what's happened to a lot of people at Expeditors. You know, a lot of our executives got hired because of their attitude. Um, they were discovered at a restaurant hustling, you know, bussing tables or doing really good service as a waiter, waitress, or whatever it is. They got recognized for just going above and beyond. And that was the type of person we wanted at Expeditors. We didn't ask, where'd you go to college? What are your qualifications? We looked at those people and said, wow, you get it. You get customer service, right? So the thought was, how do I formalize a program that uh, creates opportunities for maybe people that aren't going the traditional route of a four-year college degree, you know, and they study logistics or they study business? Mm-hmm. Uh, how, do we, how do we find those people that just need an opportunity and, and, and a connection, and then they'll make the best out of it? So I created Opportunity Knox with the idea that we would go after youth that wasn't quite connected to that next level of education for whatever reason. It could be poverty was holding them back or it wasn't uh, a focus of their parents. They just didn't know how to get them into college or, um, or the kid didn't have any intention to go into college. It could be a number of factors, right? But it was really a disconnection between that next level of education. Yet we think there's lots of kids in that area that want to go on and do big and, and great things and have great attitudes and great work ethics. Right. And so we thought, yeah, let's build a program that formalizes that. We'll, we'll go target these kids. We'll bring them in and we'll give them six to nine month training programs. And at the very least, we'll give them training that gives them visibility into maybe an area they never thought they could go into. Uh, right. And get them, get them connections to leaders they never thought they'd have connections to. Or best case scenario, they did such a great job in their internship. We hired them full time and gave them a full time job. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then down the road, maybe they uh, started taking night classes or they end up getting their college degree somehow like I did. That come full circle where they yeah, weren't going to go to college and now they have a degree to hang on their wall. And, and they're very loyal to the company. They're very loyal to their customers and to their coworkers. It just creates a, uh, a program that I think adds a lot of value to the company and, and gives back to a certain extent. It does. And it's been a special. We have a lot of different stories over. It's now been 12 years. And we've had people that have gone on to get their college degree after working here. We have people that absolutely good amount that have gone on to full-time positions, some part-time with continuing education. We've had others that were in a a partnership school program where the intention was for them to go on to a degree versus staying with us. But it's been done a lot of different ways. Whether they gain some experience and have something to leverage for their future on their resume, or like you said, they meet or exceed expectations and it's a fit and they get that, that career job or multiple years at a great company to have on your resume. It's powerful. It's truly a game changer. It takes a little bit of extra elbow grease, but you also can find those rock stars that come in and shock you with how well they hit the ground running. And other times you're just doing a little more mentoring as long as during the interview process, you know, or they know and agree that they will be willing to take a lot of feedback. It's a great opportunity. Again, why you called it Opportunity Knocks. I think sometimes companies think they have to do such big programs that they don't necessarily start something like this. It is some extra effort, but 
every single life it impacts is important. And I've just known too many amazing stories. And we've got those. Now the company was doing that. Your story was an opportunity knock story. I've met people in other countries with expediters that have done the same thing, uh, where someone gave them a shot and they went, wow, thank you. And then have made the most of it. So besides sharing what you did on some of the things about leadership versus management, about what it takes to uh, really endure and become loyal because of the character and the culture around you, but also for those companies to say, hey, what can I do when more than ever we're aware that people need opportunity? Now, when I am internal with expediters and talking to people externally, I've always been real honest, hey, we're not talking crazy numbers here. Although really now we're, we're over 500. But I've kept it real honest and say, well, it's just been this. And we've, we've have had 40 offices participate. Um, not, not that many have been as consistent, but they've dove in and done it and made impact on people's lives. And every time they tell me, it's bigger than you think. Yeah. This matters. This is, this is more than you think. So I always want to applaud the, uh, the character that was already within the company because it's been doing this from its inception but that you did a particular focus on this is powerful. So with business leaders, anybody hearing this that has a business, what encouragement might you give them? Start small and, and just wait. You're actually going to get a greater impact from it than the, probably the kid is, right? So what, one thing I realized is that our leaders uh, instantly just fell in love with wanting to help these kids out and change their lives and give them a, a, a really good training program that they could leverage for a lot of different uh, angles. So I think the company gets a lot out of it too. And you get a perspective from uh, maybe a, a, an area that you wouldn't normally get it, right? So I've heard some of these young kids, you know, ask a question like, well, why don't we do it like this? And you're sort of like scratching your head going, wow, that's a really good point. Why aren't we doing it like that? It's very simple to them. You know, they're very inquisitive. So I, I think there's a benefit. And again, start small. Yeah. Uh, do one a year and you'll be amazed at what the company actually benefits out of it. Yeah. I love that. Starting small is better than not starting at all. So yeah, that's huge. You said your opportunity changed the whole trajectory of your own family's future too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my kids had to go to college. They didn't have a choice. <laughs> yeah, you went from, I didn't even think of it to this is what's yeah. going to be the path. Yeah. And they, you know, and they watched me doing homework. They were uh, not graduated from high school yet, but they, they watched me do my homework. They watched me walk down the, um, we had it at Century Link Field. So they went to my graduation. So they oh, got awesome. to see me wear my gown and get my degree and all that stuff. So I think it set an expectation that, that you're going to go to college and, and very early on, they kind of knew that. Yeah. Well, you, you put a vision though in front of them, but that's what I've seen too. When I was talking about the opportunity and the gist of the program to one of our offices is it was newer for them to hear of the specifics. And I put my hand over my eyes, kind of shielding it as if you can only see a little bit. You're just kind of blocking part of your view. If you've grown up in an environment with very limited uh, resources, limited opportunity, or maybe you just haven't had an example, the parents didn't have an example to pass on. So your view of what's possible for you can be very, very small. And you get around somebody else who's got some more professionalism, has had some different perspectives, has had some more training, and it begins to open your eyes up to what's possible. And then when they're actually in the company for a while and they've got this part-time temporary work, it shifts their whole feeling of maybe I could have this, maybe I could do this. And again, I, I like 
your example of how you you approached it was I'm going to work hard. I'm not I'm not going to let them down. And I've had young people say the same thing that have been in our program. And not everyone's going to make the most of the opportunity. It's not going to be a fit for everybody. Um, you know, we're we're a hardworking group, so you've got to be ready to dive in. But it's a game changer when you make the most of it. And we've even had those that didn't quote succeed in the program, but yet they succeeded better at their next job. Yeah. Because they still learn great principles. So. I don't want to keep you too long, but I want to thank you. I remember when we first talked about the program or years back, I said, did you know this was going to be so relevant? And you were like, no, I didn't even know if it was a good idea, <laughs> but it's been incredibly relevant. You see how relevant all the more now. So for those listening, if you're a business leader, um, Expeditors has information connected to their own website at expeditors.com. I'll make sure those are in the comments where you can look at some information about the Opportunity Knox program. But Find something you can do to provide opportunity. It's so inspiring to your own team members. I realize it's a challenge this year with COVID. There's so many things that may be obstacles right now, but definitely do something in the future. And starting well, it might even be a better time for a big company to help out, right? So, and again, if it's one individual, one kid, uh, yeah. can make all the difference in the world. And what that kid goes on and does and pays back or pays forward, whatever you want to call it, mm -hmm. um, could have huge implications. So, uh, yeah, again, I would... Just like most company, Fortune 5 companies have an internship program, mm -hmm. how about all Fortune 500 companies have an Opportunity Knox program? It's just built in. It's what they do. Even yeah. if it's one kid a year, that's 500 companies doing that. You know, it's, it sounds small, but the impact it has, it, it, you know, it impacts their direct family members. It might impact their, their brother and their sister. I've had parents of Opportunity Knox kids come and ask me if they could have jobs at Expeditors because their their kids so excited or so proud of what they're doing. So yeah. um, that's my challenge that every company just implement a program like, and you're going to learn a lot from it and yeah. it's going to have a real good uh, impact on you as a person. Yeah. And the, and the diversity has been simply beautiful. Yeah. Absolutely beautiful. It's a game changer. Again, it's a two way street. Everyone's got to make the most of it, but thank you so much, Dan. And all, again, throughout my time, you have uh, probably more than you know, you provided opportunity to me and always believed in me. So thank you. Yeah. Thanks for all you do. You're very welcome. And you guys, thank you so much for listening to the podcast, share it with someone and uh, please check out the website expeditors.com and you can find under the about us under the social responsibility area, you can find a connection to opportunity Knox. So you can do something, get started starting small better than not starting at all. Thanks for listening. Thank you.